Chapter Thirty Eight of the Giant's Robe by F. Anstey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirty Eight. Harold Caffin makes a palpable hit. As Mabel had said, she did not meet Harold Caffin again until both were dining at Mrs. Featherstone's on the evening of the first rehearsal to which Vincent had been favoured with an invitation the instant he saw her he felt that some change had taken place in their relations that the toleration he had met with since her marriage had given place to the old suspicion and dislike it was an early and informal dinner the guests being a few of those who were to take part in the acting later on mrs featherstone had contrived that caffyn notwithstanding his position as accepted suitor should not sit next to gilda and on taking his place he found mabel on his other hand and his fiancee opposite as often as he could he tried to open a conversation with the former but she met him coldly and shortly and with each attempt he fell back baffled he might have persevered but for the consciousness that gilda's eyes were upon them for she had been growing very exacting since the engagement had been formally declared but just before the ladies rose he found an opportunity to say mabel mrs ashburn am i unfortunate enough to have displeased you lately displeased is not the right word she said you have done far more than that and am i not to be told my offence he said looking at her keenly not here she replied you can ask my husband if you like really he said you refer me to him then we must try and come to an understanding together i suppose when you have heard him she said there is one thing i shall have to say to you myself may i come and hear it later asked caffyn and mabel gave a little sign of assent as she left the table i shall send down for you when we're ready said mrs featherstone at the door will those who have any changes to make mind coming now it's so late and we must get in the way of being punctual one or two who were playing servants or character parts left the table immediately the others remained and harold whose dressing would not take him long found himself next to mark and rather apart from the men at the host's end of the table you're the very man i wanted to have a little talk with he began in an easy conversational manner your wife seems deucedly annoyed with me for some reason she says you can explain now just tell me quietly without any nonsense what's it all about eh now that mark had seen the other's conduct in its true light he was really indignant caffyn seemed more undesirable an associate than ever he would have been justified in taking a high standpoint from which to deal with him since whatever his own errors had been they would never be revealed now but somehow he adopted an almost conciliatory tone the fact is he replied with an embarrassed cough it's about that letter of holroyd's caffyn's face slightly changed the devil it is he said thought i'd heard the last of that long ago you're likely to hear a good deal more about it i'm afraid said mark it has only just come out that it was his and unopened you will find it awkward to contradict caffyn was silent for a time dolly must have spoken again what a fool he had been to trust a child a second time 
and yet he had had no choice. "'Well,' he said at last, "'and what are you going to do about it?' Mark's throat grew huskier. It was odd, for there was really no reason for being afraid of the man. "'Well, I—' "'In short, I may as well tell you plainly. My wife thinks it is better we should not see any more of you in future.' There was a dangerous look in Caffyn's eye which Mark did not like at all. "'Ah, oh, well, of course you mean to talk her out of that,' he said lightly. Was there a concealed menace in his tone? If so, Mark thought, he probably considered that his services connected with Vincent's sudden return gave him a claim. Well, he must disabuse him of that idea at once. "'It would be of no use if I tried to talk her out of it. But, to be quite candid, I—' I don't intend to do anything of the kind. I know we've been friends and all that sort of thing, and till I knew this I always said what I could for you. But—but this suppressing a letter is very different. I can't feel the same myself for you after that. It is better to tell you so distinctly. And then—there is poor little Dolly. She is my sister now. It seems you have been frightening her a second time. "'On whose account, eh, Ashburn?' asked Caffyn. Mark had expected this. "'I'm sorry to say, on mine,' he replied. "'But if I had known, do you suppose that for one moment? "'I don't deny that, as I told you at the time, "'I was glad to see Holroyd leave town just then. "'But it was, was not so important as all that. "'Still, you did me a service, and I'm sorry to have to do this, "'but I can't help myself.' "'You will find others harder on you than I am.' "'Does that mean that Mrs. Langton has been told this precious story "'with all the latest improvements?' asked Caffyn. "'Not yet,' said Mark. "'But she must know before long. "'And as for yourself, you consider me such an utterly irreclaimable baggard "'that you can't afford to be seen with me any longer?' pursued Caffyn. "'My dear fellow,' protested Mark, "'I don't want to judge you. "'But, as far as the conclusion goes, I am afraid it comes to that.' "'Perhaps it has not quite come to that yet,' said Caffyn, as he drew his chair closer to Mark's, and, resting one arm on the back, looked him full in the face with searching intensity. "'Are you sure you have the right to be so very exclusive?' If Mark could have controlled his nerves then, he might have been able to parry a thrust which— had he only known it, was something of an experiment. As it was, the unexpectedness of it took him off his guard, just when he thought he was proof against all surprises. The ghastly change in him told Caffin that he had struck the right chord after all, and a diabolical joy lit his eyes as he leaned forward and touched his arm affectionately. "'You infernal hypocrite,' he said very softly. "'I know all about it.' "'Do you hear?' "'About what?' gasped the miserable man, and then with a flickering effort of defiance. "'What do you mean?' he asked. "'Tell me what you are hinting at.' "'Keep quiet,' said Caffyn. "'Don't excite yourself. They'll notice something presently if you look like that. Here are some fellows coming round with the coffee. Wait till they have gone, and I'll tell you.' Mark had to wait while one man brought him his cup with the milk and sugar, and another followed with the coffee. His hands shook and upset the cream as he tried to take up a lump of sugar. 
"'I wouldn't take milk if I were you,' advised Caffin. "'Try a liqueur brandy,' a recommendation to which Mark paid no attention. It seemed an eternity till the men had gone. All the time Mark tried to believe this was one of the old dreams which had not visited him for so long, or, if he was really awake, that Caffin must have got hold of something else. Not that! He had had false alarms like this before, and nothing had come of them. Caffin seemed to have forgotten their recent conversation as he deliberately sipped his coffee and took a cigarette. He offered Mark one, and it was declined. "'What do you suspect me of having done?' demanded Mark. "'Oh, my dear fellow, I don't suspect you,' replied Caffin. "'I know. You can't play the moralist with me, you high-minded old paragon.' He spoke with a kind of savage jocularity. "'I tell you, I know that you got your fame and fortune, and even that charming Mabel of yours, by a meaner trick than I, who don't pretend to be particular.' should care to dirty my hands with i may have helped a child to burn a letter i don't remember that i ever stole a book i've been an ass in my time i dare say but not quite such an ass as to go about in a lion's skin mark sat there dumb and terror-stricken his buried secret had risen after all it was all over he could only say in his despair has holroyd told you Caffin knew all he wanted when he heard that. "'We won't go into that,' he said. "'It's quite enough for you that I know. "'Do you feel quite such a virtuous horror of continuing my acquaintance now? "'Couldn't you bring yourself to overlook my little shortcomings this time? "'Must you really close your respectable door on me?' Mark only looked at him. "'You fool,' said Caffin, "'to give yourself airs with me.' I've done you more than one good turn. I believe I rather liked you. You did the thing so well that I'm hanged if I should have had the heart to show you up. And now you will go and make an enemy of me. Is it quite prudent? What do you want me to do? asked Mark, with his hand shielding his eyes from the shaded candles near him. Now you're being sensible, said Caffin. We shall hit it off yet. "'You've got some authority over your wife, I suppose. "'Use it. "'Stop this cackle about the letter. "'Make her shut her mouth. "'I can't afford to lose the entree to two houses "'like your father-in-law's and your own just now. "'I can be discreet, too. "'It shall be mouth for mouth. "'If you don't, if you stand by and let your wife and her mother "'go about spreading this story "'until I daren't show my face anywhere,' why i shall take care to come to grief in good company mabel can smash me if you like to let her but if you do by blank it shall bring my sting out is it a bargain mark hesitated as they sat there he heard the sounds inside of arriving carriages and entering footsteps people were coming in for this rehearsal how he loathed the thought of it now how was he to go through with it "'We shall have to go presently,' said Caffin. "'I am waiting for my answer. Yes or no?' "'No,' said Mark. "'I see no use in playing mouse to your cat. "'Do you think I don't know that it would come out sooner or later, "'if not from you, from him? 
as to forcing my wife to receive you as a friend i'm not quite rascal enough for that yet do whatever you please it was despair more than anything that drove him to defiance for his knowledge of mabel showed him that the bargain proposed apart from its rascality was an impossible one well said caffyn with a shrug you leave me no choice so in the course of a day or two my friend look out for squally weather whether i sink or swim myself i shall see you go to the bottom mr featherstone who was getting slightly tired of the enthusiastic young amateurs at his end of the table here suggested an adjournment to the music-room you'll come and look on sir won't you said his son but the merchant shook his head i think i can hold on till the night itself bertie my boy with a cleverly fielded yawn i hear all about it from your mother you'll find me in the billiard-room if you want me you know mark rose from the table to which he had sat down with so light a heart black disgrace was before him the laufingen crisis had come again and this time nothing could save him he lingered behind the other men as they mounted the broad staircase and as he lingered was overtaken by vincent who had just left his hat and overcoat below and was about to go upstairs stop cried mark don't go up yet i want to speak to you come in here and he almost forced him into the library which was empty and where a lamp was burning so we're on a level after all are we he said savagely as he shut the door holroyd simply asked him what he meant you know said mark all that generosity at laufingen was a sham was it a blind it didn't suit you that i should give myself up of my own free will and so soon so you put me off my guard and now his voice was thick with passion as he spoke now you have set that villain that deed caffin on me chivalrous that isn't it i've fallen into good hands between you vincent was hardly less angry you think every one is like yourself he said if it is any comfort to you to believe that i can break my word and betray those who trusted it believe it it's not worth my while to set you right no one who saw his face could doubt that he at least was no traitor and mark felt lower than ever as he realized his mistake forgive me he stammered i see i ought to have known better i hardly know what i am saying or doing just now but caffyn has found out everything and-and who could have told him if any one betrayed you it must have been yourself said vincent look here ashburn don't give it up like this keep your head man he can't really know this it must be all guesswork did he mention my name yes said mark well i must have it out with him then what does it matter what he says if we both contradict him i think i shall be able to manage him only for heaven's sake keep cool leave everything to me try to be your usual self where is the rehearsal going on let us go there at once you'll be wanted mark said no more just then he led the way to the music-room and then went himself to the part which was screened off as a green-room the music-room was a long high gallery at one end of which the stage had been set up there was a small audience of a dozen or so who were mostly related to the performers and admitted only because it had not been found practicable to keep them out the rehearsal had just begun as vincent entered 
it was much like most rehearsals and would hardly lose its tediousness in description there were constant interruptions and repetitions and most of the characters wore the air of people who had been included to play a game they thought silly but who were resolved to maintain their self-respect as long as possible this appearance might be due to an artistic reserve of force in some cases in others to nervousness in nearly all to a limited knowledge of the lines they had to deliver and all these causes would certainly be removed on the night because the actors said so themselves still on that particular evening they prevented the play from being seen to the best advantage it was not a good play and as a dramatization of illusion was worse than the most sanguine of mrs featherstone's acquaintances could have foreseen and yet as vincent stood and looked on from the background he felt strangely stirred when mabel was on the stage she at least had too intense a sympathy with her part to be able to walk through it even at a rehearsal though it would have been absurd to exert her full powers under the circumstances but there were moments in the later scenes which even mrs featherstone had not been able to deprive of all power or pathos when mabel was carried away by the emotion she had to represent and the anguish in her face and low ringing tones went to vincent's heart as he thought how soon it might become a terrible reality he could scarcely bear to see her there simulating a sorrow which was nothing to that which might be coming upon her and from which all his devotion might not save her this time he was impatient to meet caffyn and find out what he knew and how he might be silenced but caffyn was on the stage continually in his capacity of stage manager and vincent was forced to wait until his opportunity should present itself it was a relief to him when the rehearsal after dragging on through three long acts came to a premature close owing to the lateness of the hour and a decided preference on the part of the younger members of the company for the dancing which had been promised later as a bribe and which they had no intention of sacrificing to a fourth act for art must not be too long with amateurs the room was being cleared accordingly when vincent saw his hostess coming with caffyn in his direction and heard her say well i will ask mr holroyd then if you wish it she seemed excited and annoyed and he thought caffyn's face bore an odd expression of triumph he waited for the question with a heavy anticipation mr caffyn tells me you're quite an authority began mrs featherstone she had not yet found herself able to mention him as harold you heard our little discussion about the close of that third act just now now do tell me how did it strike you this appeal was an unexpected relief to him he protested that he was not qualified to express any opinion now really said caffyn that won't quite do we know how interested you are in the book we are so grateful for the least little hint simpered mrs featherstone and it is so useful to know how a scene strikes just the ordinary observer you know so if you did notice anything don't please be afraid to mention it vincent had told himself that in going there he would be able to put away all personal association with the play he had given the book up once and for all he only desired to see mabel once as his lost heroine but nature had proved too strong for him after all the feebleness of this dramatic version had vexed his instincts as creator 
more than he was willing to believe and when in this very closing scene the strongest situation in the book had been ruined by the long and highly unnecessary tirade which had been assigned to the hero vincent's philosophy had been severely shaken and so at this some impulse too strong for all other considerations possessed him to do what he could to remove that particular blemish at least it was not wise but it was absolutely disinterested he suggested that a shorter and simpler sentence at the critical moment might prove more effective than a long set speech mrs featherstone smiled an annoyed little smile you don't quite understand the point she said there was no question about the text i had no idea of altering that we are merely in doubt as to the various positions at the fall of the curtain i'm afraid i've no suggestions to make then said vincent not without some inward heat oh but put in caffyn and his lip curled with malicious enjoyment give us an idea of the short simple sentence you would substitute it's easy enough to make a general criticism of that sort yes indeed said mrs featherstone that is only fair mr holroyd if he had been cooler he might have resisted what was obviously a challenge from the enemy but just then he had lost some of his usual self-control something of this kind he said and gave the line he had originally written now that is very funny said mrs featherstone icily really why do you know my dear mr holroyd that the speech you find such fault with happens to be just the one i took entire from the book itself and it was in fact one of mark's improvements vincent then saw for the first time that mabel had joined the group and he was angry with himself for his folly where has ashburn got to we must tell him that said caffyn that distinguished man has been keeping out of the way all the evening there he is over there in the corner and he gave him a sign that he was wanted no one had seen mark for some little time and he had interfered very little during the rehearsal now as he came towards them he looked shaken and ill my dear fellow said caffyn this presumptuous man here has been suggesting that your immortal dialogue wants cutting badly crush him he has every right to his opinion said mark with an effort ah said caffyn with a keen appreciation of the situation but just explain your views to him holroyd he may think there's something in them it is a pity said mabel that mark's book should have been without the advantage of mr holroyd's assistance so long she was the more angry with vincent because she felt that he was right i don't think i quite deserved that said vincent sadly if my opinion had not been asked i should not have ventured to criticise and now that i know that i have the book against me of course i have nothing more to say you seemed to have misunderstood me a little he added looking straight at caffyn if you can give me a minute i could easily explain all i meant caffyn understood in private i suppose he suggested softly as he drew vincent a little aside i thought as much said caffyn as the other assented they're going to dance here come up on the stage it's clear now and the rags down he led the way up the wooden steps by the proscenium pushed aside the gold and crimson hangings 
and they were in comparative darkness and absolute privacy immediately now began vincent you had some object in saying what you did down there what was it caffin had seated himself on the edge of a table which had been rolled into a corner with some other stage furniture he smiled with much sweetness as he replied i say you know we'd better come to the point i know all about it only the pressing need of discovering the full extent of the other's information kept vincent from some outburst what do you know he demanded well said caffyn i know that you are the real pig so to speak and that miserable humbug ashburn's only the squeak you mean you think you know that what is your authority now protested caffyn in a tone of injury do you think i should venture on a bold statement like that without anything to back my opinion and if ashburn and i both deny your bold statement what becomes of it ashburn has not denied it and if he did i could put my hand on some written evidence which would go a long way to settle the question i should like to see your evidence said vincent i was sure you would said caffyn but i don't happen to have it here in fact the papers which contain it are in the charge of a very dear friend of mine who chanced to discover them vincent did not believe him perhaps you can describe them he asked quickly aha said caffyn i've made you sit up as they say across the water oh i'll give you every information those papers are of interest to the collector of literary curiosities as being beyond a doubt the original rough draft of that remarkable work illusion then better known as let me see was it glowworms no something like it glamour they were found in your late rooms and one needn't be an expert to recognize that peculiar fist of yours are you satisfied vincent had not expected this having fancied that his loose papers had all been destroyed as he had certainly intended them to be on leaving england he was silent for some seconds then he said you must get those papers for me they are mine but my dear fellow argued caffyn what earthly use can they be to you what business is that of yours retorted vincent i want them i mean to have them you won't do any good by taking that tone with me you know just listen to reason if you produce these papers yourself you'll only be laughed at for your pains you must let someone else manage the business for you you can't smash ashburn alone you can't indeed and who told you said vincent that i want to smash ashburn for heaven's sake don't you turn hypocrite drawled caffyn you can speak out now if you've got anything inside you but sawdust of course you want to smash ashburn i saw your game long ago did you said vincent who began to have the greatest difficulty in keeping his temper and what was my game why explained caffyn you knew well enough that if you set up a claim like that on your mere word you wouldn't find many to believe you and you didn't feel up to such a fight as you would have before you so you've very prudently been lying low till you could get master mark off his guard or till something turned up to help you now's your time i'll help you then once more get me those papers said vincent to think observed caffyn with pity 
that the man who could write illusion should be so dense don't i tell you you must keep in the background you leave it all to me there's a literary fellow i know who's on lots of journals that like nothing better than taking up cases like yours when they're satisfied there's something in them i can manage all that for you and in a few days look out for an article that will do ashburn's business for him you needn't be afraid of his fighting he'll never have the nerve to bring a libel action but you can't work this yourself in your hands all that evidence is waste paper it's the date and manner of its discovery which must be proved to make it of any value and that's where i come in i need scarcely tell you perhaps that i don't propose to mix myself up in all this unless there is some better understanding between us in the future you had better be quite plain said vincent what is your proposal there has been a little unpleasantness about a letter which little dolly langton and i accidentally i know the facts thank you interrupted vincent that makes it easier continued the other unabashed though you've probably been told the highly coloured version i've been told that you bullied that poor child into burning a letter of mine which you hadn't the courage to suppress for yourself said vincent ah that is the highly coloured version said caffyn but for the purpose of the present case we'll assume it to be correct if you like well we can't possibly work together if you won't make up your mind to let bygones be bygones you understand i think i do said vincent provided i forget that a letter of mine was intercepted and destroyed unread by a cowardly cold-blooded trick which if it was not actually a felony came very near it provided i forget all that and treat you as an intimate friend of mine i shall have your support coarsely put said caffyn but you seem to have got hold of the main point and if i decline said vincent what then why then returned caffyn placidly i'm afraid that my friend in whose custody the papers are and who really is as casual a person as i ever met may mislay those documents or go off somewhere without leaving his address which would make things awkward vincent could stand no more the anger he had suppressed for some time broke out at last if you dare to make me an offer like that in any other place than a friend's house if you even try to speak to me when we next meet you will be unpleasantly surprised at your reception do you think any help you could give me would be worth the disgrace of having you for a friend if i am asked my opinion of you i shall give it and it will not be one you would care to quote as for the papers tell your friend you will not have to go very far to find him tell him he may do what he pleases with them mislay them suppress them burn them as he likes perhaps he will be doing me a greater service than he imagines he was afraid that he might have betrayed his real feelings in the matter but caffyn was too much a man of the world to believe him he only thought that the other either had independent means of proving his claim when he chose or felt convinced that it would be proved for him without the necessity of committing himself to any alliance or compromise he could not help admiring such strategy even while it disappointed him you're devilish deep after all he said slowly a little overdone that last bit perhaps but no matter i can read between the lines and now as i am due for this first dance and they seem to be striking up down there 
I'll ask you to excuse me. One word. If you want me to play your little game, don't interfere with mine. You know what I mean. Vincent made no answer, and Caffin went down to the music room again, where about a dozen couples were already dancing. It was a small and quite informal affair, but one or two people had come in from other houses, and the room was filled without the hopeless crush which it would have contained on an ordinary occasion. He avoided Gilda, whose eyes, however, were following him watchfully, and made his way to where Mabel was sitting, looking on at the dancing. For she had declined to take a more active part, and was intending to make her escape as soon as Mark should come to rescue her. "'I'll try one more chance,' he thought, "'and if that fails—' Vincent had satisfied himself as he passed through the room after Caffin had left him, that Mark was not there. He went through a network of rooms and out on the staircase, looking for him. Mark had had much to endure in the way of enthusiastic comments on his own work, and the delight he was supposed to feel at his wife's rendering of his heroine, while Mrs. Featherstone had driven him almost frantic by her persistent appeals, confidences and suggestions with regard to the performance. He had chosen a moment when her attention was distracted to slip out unobserved. He knew he must return soon, but his nerves would bear no more just then, and wandering aimlessly from room to room, he came to one in which some light refreshments had been placed for those engaged in the rehearsal, and he filled a small tumbler of champagne from a half-empty bottle he found there, and drank it, hoping it would give him courage to go back and play his part to the end. As he put down the glass, Vincent came in. "'I was looking for you,' the latter began hurriedly, when he had satisfied himself that they were not likely to be overheard. "'I have seen Caffin.' "'Well,' said Mark listlessly, "'it is worse than I thought,' was the answer. "'He has got hold of some papers. Heaven knows how, but he can prove his case. He half threatened to destroy them, but if I know him, he won't. He will use them to keep his hold over you. We must get the start of him.' "'Yes,' agreed Mark. "'I can disappoint him there, at all events. "'I'll go to Fladgate to-morrow and tell him everything. "'It's all I can do now, and the sooner it is over, the better.' "'You must do nothing without me,' said Vincent. "'Despair made Mark obstinate. "'I wish to God I had spoken out last Easter. "'You stopped me then. "'You shall not stop me this time. "'I'll keep that book no longer, whatever the consequences may be.' "'Listen to me,' said Vincent. "'I will take back the book. "'I see no other course now, "'but I claim the right to tell the story myself "'and in my own way. "'You will not be madman enough to contradict me?' "'Mark laughed bitterly. "'If you can tell that story so as to make it look any better "'or any worse than it is, I won't contradict you,' he said. "'That is a safe promise.' "'Remember it, then,' said Vincent. "'I will tell you more when I have thought things out a little. "'In the meantime, the less we see of that scoundrel, the better. "'Can't you take Mabel home now?' "'Yes,' said Mark. "'We will go home, and—' "'And you'll come to-morrow?' "'To-morrow,' said Vincent. "'Tell her nothing till you have seen me.' "'They were returning to the music-room when Mrs. Featherstone passed. "'Have you seen Mr. Caffin?' she asked Mark. "'I want to talk to him about the alterations in the fourth act.' "'He went to sit out one of the dances with Mabel,' Gilda said. "'But I sent her to look for them, 
and she hasn't come back yet i think they must have gone through the gold room and out on the balcony it's cooler there when she had passed on out of hearing mark turned to vincent did you hear that he said mabel is out there with him we are saved the trouble of telling her anything now that devil means to tell her himself i can't stay here tell me where you are going for god's sake don't do anything rash cried vincent you may be wrong he caught him by the arm as he spoke let me go said mark wrenching himself free vincent would have accompanied him but the excitement had turned him suddenly faint and dizzy and he found himself obliged to remain where he was until the attack passed and left him able to move and think once more End of chapter thirty eight